Well, the Fed have put us on notice that they're about to start reasonably aggressive balance sheet reduction that's going to be phased in. We're going to see 50 basis points of hikes coming through at the next meeting, potentially. Crypto starting to look vulnerable. We've seen the US dollar at the highest level since May 2020. And we're starting to find a few equity sellers as well. Markets are lively, but they could become more lively. Blake and I discuss all these factors as we assess the trade-off. Well, hi there, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Chris Weston. I'm head of research here at Pepperstone. I'm going to be joined in a, in a second by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we're going to be discussing all the landmines and, and navigating all the thematics that are really front of mind at the moment uh, and all the setups that are just encapsulating your world of trading. And I'm going to bring Blake into the program. Welcome to the program, Blake. How you been? Hi, Chris. <laughs> you look like a Cheshire cat, mate. So I'm obviously something's going well for you over there at the moment. I'm not sure if the program no, just froze I just, just want to throw you off. I want to throw you off a little bit. Yeah, sure, mate. It's, it's, it's easy to do. It's easy to do. I, I just think that, um, yeah, we've seen a little bit of a calmer conditions, a little bit of calmer conditions. But I think we're going to see the hallmarks are now um, that the, we could see some volatility pick up again. Uh, in, in, and we'll talk about those in a second. But what's your what's your view there? Do you think we're going to start seeing vol pick up into the, in, in broad asset markets again? I, I do. I, actually, and that's kind of one of the topics I wanted to discuss today is just that that, that volatility is just kind of staying at elevated levels. Yeah. And it's good as good. a trader. We like that. But, okay. you know, we've got to be aware of it and be on our defensive kind of posture as a result. Yeah. Right. Well, it's obviously yeah. so, so important that that. Our, our, our position sizing, the risk we're taking on is dynamic to the volatility and, and, and range and movement in the market. So if you're not adjusting it for changes in volatility, um, then I think you really need to look at you know, how, you, how you consider position sizing because it is, is, it's obviously critical to you know, surviving and thriving in these financial markets. But let's have a look at what is causing those factors. Let's go into a Topical Funder and have a look at some of the big macro and, and big talking points that are going through the floors at the moment. Well, mate, look, you know, we've got crypto starting to find a few sellers, Blake. Um, you know, we've seen the dollar break, the dollar index is at the highest level since May 2020. It's been driven by what we've been seeing in front end yields. Uh, we started to see a re-steepening of the curve. Everyone last week and, and earlier this week was talking about yield curve inversion, recession, recession, recession. Um, but ultimately, for me now, I think we're in a really interesting point. You know, the Fed have just told us in the minutes uh, that they're going to get up to a terminal rate of balance sheet reduction of $95 billion a month, and that's going to be split over US Treasuries, $60 billion and 35 in mortgages. Uh, so you've got that reduction coming through. Next week, Blake, we've got a, an inflation number in the US. The market's expecting that to go up from 79 to 8.4%. Um, for me, look, all of those recipes, are, you know, with a stronger dollar, are, are quite concerning. Crude prices have started coming off, which is probably a good thing. Um, but how are you reading sentiment on the ground in that situation there? Well, um, as far as the minutes goes, I'm really surprised that number didn't shake the confidence of the, the the market a little bit more. I mean, the market actually absorbed it pretty well. I think the Fed have done. The Fed, little... the Fed have conditioned us. I mean, they've they've told us about that, right? So I think they've their forward guidance has served quite well, right? Yeah, it really has. And but at the same time. The dollar didn't respond as well as you would have thought. The, yeah. the the euro did fall a little bit, dropped back below 109. But you can see, you know, by here we are in early Asian trade the day after the minutes came out. You know, the euro's popping back above 109. 
that that means the market, like you said, they're very well prepared for for what's coming at us. And you know, the scary thing is, as you pointed out, inflation is a concern. It is mm. going to be something that I'm going to be talking about because it's not just the U.S. that I'm worried about now. I'm worried about everywhere else as well. And so we've got to start preparing for that. And we've got to start thinking about how we're going to manage our trades around you know, that inflationary pressure, because um, I don't see it abating anytime soon. How do you feel about that? Well, there's, two, there's a couple of things that scare me. First of all is next week, I'm going to be in um, the uh, deep outback Northern Territory at the cattle station mustering cows. And, you know, these soft financial hands <laughs> have to do some manual labor. So that's that scares me. The second thing that, that, that scares me is that real rates are moving up towards positive territory at the moment. So that 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 is really a big situation. So if you look at 10 year uh, nominal treasuries adjusted for expected inflation, we're at negative 24 basis points. That is moving up at a clip. And I've talked about this time and time again. It's the idea of positive real rates in the US. That is a major drag for, for, for equity returns. So we're getting closer to that, that, that tipping point for me. And I think that's where we are. But so look, balance sheet reduction um, is, is, I think, as expected. Um, but I think we combine that with a stronger dollar and positive real rates. And I think we've got some real headwinds there. Go and have a look at that, that article uh, that Bill Dudley, the New York Fed president, has just put out um, and an opinion piece on Bloomberg saying that inflation's going up, stock markets have to go lower. There's an article in Bloomberg. Read that, and it sort of feeds into that situation. So, yeah, capital. I did, I did actually. Yeah, I was going to say I did read that as well. I think that's yeah. uh, it's something that when you got Fed presidents saying that, you've got to take well, notice, right? Exactly right. So, yeah, yeah, I think that real rates keep me up at night at the moment. So one thing to look at right. in terms of that. So do you, do you have to milk cows? I'm just no, asking. For no, a friend, it's, just for it's a not friend. a dairy farm, mate. No, this, I've got to walk around okay. and uh, yeah, sing to them and do all that sort of stuff. Nice. Okay. Well, I'm going to take you over to volatility because volatility is on my mind. It's it's on my mind from a from a trader's perspective, from um, a, a safety perspective too. What you've noticed in the VIX is the VIX is holding up, you know, near the high teens, low twenties, and this is a great environment for a trader. You know, as a trader. We can you know, navigate through volatility. For me, it's always been a lot easier because I'm not always the best market timer intraday because I'm doing, whether I'm doing a webinar, whether I'm talking to you know, other traders, whether I'm, I'm interviewing somebody, I, I don't always get that precise entry. So for me, if I screw up my entries just a little bit, that volatility allows me to you know, get back into profitability if I might've miscalculated my timing a little bit. Mm. However, it also extends ranges too. And when ranges start to break and we've seen it in the yen, you know, they start to go and, and then you just don't know where they're going to stop. And with the euro breakdown, the yen breakdown, we've seen that all over the last few weeks. And I don't think it's going to stop. I think that volatility is going to stay elevated. And I think as traders, we need to be defensive. And, and, I, and this is more of a, I want to see how you're tackling it, but I want to warn all the traders out there Look, this is not the time to be sizing up positions because this is that that's that's a recipe to getting knocked out of the business. And that's not what we do as traders. For us, it's managing risk and 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 chipping away and staying alive during periods like this where you have massive amounts of volatility. What do you what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I, I think I think volatility to me is everything in markets. Um, I mean, there's two ways to look at this: is is actually the the expected volatility or the volatility in the market, and adjust your position sizing to that. And and the VIX you could be using that. A lot of traders use realized volatility as well. Uh, the other thing is is looking at the your actual open positions and your and the daily returns that you're seeing 
um, and, the, and, and the sort of swings that you're seeing there as a standard de deviation or an annualized standard deviation number, and you can target a, a certain level. Uh, and if the, the, the volatility in your daily returns is too high, then, then obviously your position sizing is, is all out of whack as well. So yeah, volatility is, is, is really key in terms, of, in terms of that. Now, the VIX is at 22%. Um, so if you divide that by 15.9, you get the expected move in the S&P um, daily averaging over the next 30 days. And, and you can use that as a, in your equity trading. Um, but for me, I think we'd probably go up a little bit higher now. I think yeah, but all the, the risks that we have now with liquidity withdrawal, high inflation next week, French election, maybe, comme si, comme ça. Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't think it's going to be one. But uh, yeah, I think there's the possibility that we do see the VIX pushing up in into 25%. For me, 25% is a lovely level. So, you know, below 20% on the VIX. And um, yeah, I think markets are pretty sanguine. They're pretty happy. Into sort of the mid 25s for me is a nice range. Above 30%, it's getting lively. Above 40%, and you've got real panic coming through in the market. That's the way I like to see it. Good point. Yeah. And I think it's something that we've got to be aware of. Yeah. Cool. Do you know what we're going to do, um, Blake? We're going to change tack because, you know, there's some good interaction last week um, in some of the comments that we, in last week's video with Tracy, and, and um, one of the comments that we got, which we thought was worth addressing now. And, you know, this is something that we can do. So if you do leave comments, uh, and, and you know, want us to address it in the show? We're very happy to do so. And one of them is from Master Trader, uh, and good day, Chris uh, and Blake. Um, what's your individual bias for each of the three safe havens: the U.S. dollar, Japanese yen, and Swiss franc, for the entire second quarter? Could you please give a brief explanation for that? So, Blake, uh, probably the, the, there's two ways to look at this. Um, first of all, what is your um, your outlook for, for this second quarter? Is there one that really stands out as having a strong bias? And secondly, as a trader, um, do outlooks really matter too much to you? Outlooks don't matter to me. And, and, I, and I try not to do outlooks and forecasts personally because it's not, I'm not in the business of trying to make myself, you know, a, a name for myself because I called it right over the course of the next couple quarters of a, a yeah, currency yeah. move. That's that's just not what I'm I'm I, I'm going to do as a trader. Sure. However, if you want if you want my opinions about like the yen or the dollar, I, I think the dollar still retains its safe haven status. So if you're if you're more worried about like oh should we let's say the S and P drops to you know 3,800. Are we going to see a swift move higher in the dollar? I think the dollar would be a beneficiary of that. And I actually think the J Japanese yen will be too. And even the Swiss franc, if it's euro related or let's yep. say U yep. Ukraine related. Yep. But J Japan, one thing that we've got to be a little bit weary of is you're you're going to start hearing some job boning as the dollar yen is nearing that. We've already seen that. Yeah, we've seen that a few times. Yeah, David Corrode has been out in the wires talking about watching currency moves and stuff. And imagine, imagine how vocal they're going to be if we start making it towards 130. So I think just from a like a rubber bands a little too stretched perspective, one direction, you could start looking at the yen as being more of a safe haven play in the event that we get some risk aversion. But that, yeah. those are my thoughts on those three safe haven yeah. currencies. I, that, I think you're, um, you make a good point on the Swiss franc. It's, it becomes a better safe haven if the, if the epicenter of those cause of concerns is euro related, which I think a lot of that has been at the moment. I, I quite like yeah. the dollar. Fundamentally, I think it's, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to get that equity drawdown, you're going to go into the US dollar. And that, that is, that continues to be the, the you know, the, the best house on a shabby neighborhood. Um, I think if you're looking at the, you know, rate hikes and various factors, 
probably the Fed have got more room to raise relative to what's priced in into the Australian curve, uh, the Kiwi, Canadian, um, UK, for example. So I quite like that 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 element. I think you're getting the best growth there. You're getting the highest levels of inflation. Um, so fundamentally, do I like the? I, I think the US dollar is probably one of the better currencies out there for for the second quarter. But yeah, the, the important thing for trading is not to fall in love with you. Just because I think the dollar is going to go up four, you know, three five percent over the quarter. If it doesn't do that, you know, you've got to react as a trader. You've got to trade the flow of capital, the price action you're seeing there. So I agree with you. Outlooks don't really matter unless you're investing in a currency. Um, but for traders, yeah, we react to price moves. And if, if that if the facts change, sir, I change. So that's really what it's yeah, all about. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. Well. Um, and that was a great question. I'm so glad that you guys and gals are asking questions. I personally, after these shows air, I try to jump into the comic sent com comments section and, uh, and and get involved. So if you have any questions for myself or Chris, get down in the comments section and and uh, and say something. We'll, uh, we'll we'll get try involved. to address it. Get involved. Okay. Um, the 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 next topic I really want to talk about is next week. Not not only do we have inflationary data, but we do have the ECB. And, and and I guess the question is to you, Chris, is the ECB in a pickle? I mean, you look at inflationary data throughout Europe, and it's only going to get worse the longer this situation in Ukraine uh, persists. I don't see any any uh, it, it getting better anytime sooner. I, I would I would like to be wrong. I, and somebody please, Putin, prove me wrong. You know, somebody prove me wrong. But even after that, the, the aftermath that the, 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 the Eurozone and possibly the rest of the world is going to be facing is going to be something to, to, that we got to pay attention to. I mean, you're looking at Spanish uh, CPI is what, near 10%? Or was it 9.8%? Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. I mean, that's, that's nuts. I it mean, is nuts. You know, it is nuts. So what is the ECB going to do here? Are they Jeez. going to, do, do they raise rates and, 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 and you know, cap growth? Or are they going to just say let inflation continue to run hot mm. to where it really just completely cripples the economy? My <sighs> opinion, Chris, Go. my personal opinion is the ECB is going to start becoming very hawkish because they are going to have to tackle this sooner rather than later. And then they can slow down the speed of, you know, their rhetoric or, you know, how quickly they actually raise rates. Mm. Um, after they 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 had inflation off at the past, but I'm not I'm no central banker. What what do you think here? Yeah, I agree. They're in they are in a pickle, and I think what's interesting if you go into the euro dollar futures curve, the interest rate markets in in the US in 2024, the market's pricing in rate cuts, but they're pricing in rate rate hikes in Europe, and that's never going to happen. You can imagine a world where the Fed are cutting rates, um, but the Europeans are raising rates. That's just not going to happen. So. Yeah, you I think that's one Euro one thirty. Well, I just, yeah, it's never going to happen, mate. <laughs> I, I, know, I know. I'm so, just saying. You know. Yeah, look, you are. You've got an inflation problem in Europe, like you have in so many other places. But you've also got a consumer confidence problem. You've got a business confidence problem. If the ECB now are going to have the first point is that they're going to have to get rid of the 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 PPP program, the bond buying program. That could blow out Italian and, and sovereign spreads. You're going to see them widen against German bunds. That could be a euro negative in itself. Um, look, for me, also, you've got a French election, You know, the first round coming through this weekend, this Sunday. Uh, you're very likely to see Macron facing off against Le Pen on the 24th of April. But the polls have been closing, you know, and this was a non-issue. This was a non-event in the market's eyes. We're pricing in about 50 basis points of moves in euro dollar for the Monday open on both, both rounds. But now the polls have closed significantly um, that 
that it's become a market event. People have started hedging their euro exposure, CAC exposure. So that's something that we're looking at. But yeah, absolutely. I think the first point in Europe is that they've got to get rid of the PWP program. The market's pricing in 50 basis points of hikes this year to get the rate back up to zero. Um, but yeah, that's that's in an environment where you know business confidence and growth is slow. Got to watch Europe. It's going to be a fascinating vehicle towards the end of the year. We're going to be watching that one very, very closely indeed. But anyway, let's go to some of the charts that are that are on our mind. Let's go to that's a setup. Like I want to bring up the dollar. It's your it's your currency. It's a it's a very same sort of currency. Dollars all look the same to me when when you got it in their paper in your pocket. You need a bit of difference in 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 in, in the paper, I suppose, but. Um, we yeah, be the greenback. The green greenback. <laughs> yeah, mate. We've got a bit of a breakout in our hands. I know you're going to be focused on euro dollar, and we've been talking about that. And obviously, the dollar index is 57% weighted towards uh, the euro. But we've got a little bit of cheeky breakout going on our hands. I mean, we've seen two-year treasuries, uh, which have been driving the, the show there. You know, moving up to 250. Um, you know, lots being priced into into the curve for this year. We've got about eight hikes being priced in. Uh, we've got quantitative tightening, which is about to be announced, you know, running up to about $95 billion. Um, but you've got a 50 basis point hike probably going to happen in that May meeting. It's something we're watching out. But the dollar seems to be in vogue again. Now, the question is, is, is this breakout for real? Um, and if so, are we going to see 100 on, on the dollar index, something we haven't seen for a long time? Um, and this, can this continue to going? I love momentum trading, but I want to see it break and just start to trend. And you know, the problem with momentum trading is you get lots of false starts. You, you get a breakout, it comes back, you get stopped out for a small loss. I really want to see this go. If it, if it goes, I'm going with it, and I might get a small loss on the, on, on the stop. But if it goes, I want to just continue following that. So it's a really interesting setup on the dollar index. What do you think? Well, uh, can we just fast forward 45 seconds to my next chart? I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, <laughs> pretty much, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I look, I like I like the dollar where it's at right now, but I am looking to fade strength. And there's there's reasons behind that, which I'll talk about in a moment. But I'm just going to tell you, technically, one of the things that scares me the most about the, the, the dollar index it's facing channel resistance right above 100. It's like 100 and a quarter right around yep. there. Also, the relative strength is divergent. That means it's it's rallying on less strength. So, um, and you you pointed out exactly right, Chris. This is one you have to buy dips and sell rips, and that's really the way to trade a, a trending market. It's it's moving higher, but you got to be careful not being caught up long as it's breaking out. So. Well, I, I actually no, I'm, I'm I'm the opposite of that, Blake. I'm as a momentum trader. I, I think if this if this breaks, I'm happy to be long uh, without targets and just continue to ride this higher. And if it, if it rolls back and gives me a fake, I'm I'm cutting this out. So I love breakouts as a momentum strategy. I want to buy strong, actually. So I take the opposite side of this. If this goes, I'm along with it, and and if it cuts, but at the moment it needs to show me something. So I'm watching this one um, and taking it as a momentum strategy rather than a sort of a, a mean reversion type move. Well, let me show you something, Chris. Oh. <laughs> Let's go over to the euro dollar. You. <laughs> I'm going to raise you a dollar or maybe a euro. So my my chart really here with this setup is positioning for the ECB. All right. Now, um, oh, it says positioning toward the ECB. That's all right. You guys get what I'm trying to do here. Uh, positioning for the ECB. So the euro is at a multi-decade since the you know beginning of the eurozone, um, or since the early 2000, it is hitting this massive trend line. And you can actually take the lows from 2007, the 2020 lows, and the 2022 lows, 
I think it's 2017 low, excuse me, um, where we're, this support is at 108. Now, ahead of a key event like the ECB, what I think is going to happen is you're going to see the euro go mid-range. You can see that red box in between the 108 and the 111 level. So we should trade back up towards 110 going into the middle of next week. You'll notice in some of the euro crosses like the euro Aussie might have given us a false breakdown. The euro Kiwi, kind of the same way. Euro sterling finding some support ahead of 83 pence. So, you know, you're starting to see the euro stabilize. And I think you're going to see a little bit of euro covering going into the ECB. And I want to play it on the long side because I know I'm wrong below 108. Yep. And then I also believe that the ECB is going to be more hawkish. And if that's the case, the euro might trade back above 111, maybe closer to the 200 day moving average in the next few months if they become hawkish. And that's yeah. a big if. Yeah. But that's why. I'm looking at the other side of your dollar trade. Chris, what do you think here? Well, I'm just doing it from momentum. I, I just think strength breeds strength and weakness breeds weakness. I mean, there's obviously different strategies that you can employ, but that's one. No, I mean, tactically, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the, the risk for me is that, that, you know, I think the market is, or the, the, the world is long of dollars. Um, and, you know, I think the propensity to have a significant move higher is obviously limited by that. What I also like in, in the dollar capacity here is that real rates are moving in favor of, of dollars. Um, so while positioning is there, if you have a look at, um, you know, if you look at the 10-year real rate in the US, it wears a, a near 200 basis point advantage over Europe. And that to me is just, is so bloody attractive. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, Euros get sold on rallies in this environment. We might get up to that 110 level. Um, but, you know, I think for me, as, as I'm just looking at that dollar move and, and if it continues to go, I'm along for the ride there. So, yeah, we've got a little bit of a right. little bit of a divergence playing through there. And I think, yeah, let's flip it to the next chart, because if we are going to see the dollar strength, it's going to probably be driven by um, equities as well. I think in a, in a world where the equity market continues to draw down, if we were to see it break through that 4420 level, which is that lower red horizontal res uh, support level that I've drawn there. Um, then I think the dollar gets further love from that perspective. I know that the world loves, you know, you could say, well, if people are selling out of, Euro, of US assets, then it could be dollar negative. But I think, you know, we talked about that, that idea that the US dollar is still a safe haven. For me, it's, you know, probably the safe haven. The yen has not acted as a safe haven for a while. Um, it's not been getting those sort of love. So, you know, where do you want to be? And if we were to see risk aversion start kicking back into equity markets for whatever reason, if we break through 44.20, for me, you still want to be long dollars in that situation. So this is a chart that's really interesting, especially as we come into the 13th of April. We've got JP Morgan kicking off earnings season. You know, we're going to see uh, earnings coming through. We know that earnings in Q1 have been downgraded by about 70 basis points. The first you know, consensus earnings downgrade since March 2020. Um, you know, will it be a big issue? But that idea of dollar strength, quantitative tightening, aggressive rate hikes, is that good for net equity markets or is it bad? How much is discounted? The price action started to throw a few wobbles now. We've got the outside uh, engulfing yesterday. It's followed through. Do we hit that 44.20? That's the, le the lesson we're looking there, Blake. You know, I, Chris, I, you remember last week I was looking at that failed, I was thinking it was going to be a failed breakout above the 4,600 level yeah. and it has rolled over. And look, I, I was on a, I was on an earlier podcast uh, with, with a, with a friend um, and we were talking about uh, the, just the, the world economy and especially the U S economy has been on this big party since, you know, the last 12, 13 years. And man, the feds just now pulling away the punch bowl. And here we are at four o'clock in the morning and I've got no more party favors or whatever it is. Yeah, it's going to be bad for stocks. And I, I, I'm not saying that the stock market is going to collapse, but I think we're in a big range environment and you got to treat it as such. You got to sell rallies and, you know, 
we get back down towards 4,000, you probably want to buy the dip somewhere Absolutely. down there. I, I, I'm, I'm going to trade it as a range. But you'll remember your, your call is uh, the DAX is dead. The DAX is dead, said Blake. That's right. It's done all right. The DAX is dead. The DAX is dead. Part <laughs> three is coming your way soon. Well, not yet, though, because we're going to talk about the Aussie Kiwi. I'm actually showing you, Chris, a weekly chart of your beloved Australian dollar versus the Kiwi. Mm -hmm. And we are right up against really massive resistance. We got the RBNZ next week, and we just got past the RBA this week, which you know surprised the the market apparently uh, yeah. because the Aussie spiked and then faded on yeah. that. But but anyway, we're past the RBA, so now we have the RBNZ. And I know you've been a long believer of not thinking that they could be hawkish, but or they can live up to expectations. But look, I, I think from a weekly perspective, as long as we stay below 109, 10950. The risk is that we continue to trade in a very choppy, sloppy fashion that we've been doing for the last, what, how many years is that now? I mean, the, you know, do you, do we have the, 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 the um, confidence that we're ready to break out higher in the Australian dollar versus the Kiwi? Yeah. What are your thoughts with this chart? Yeah. I mean, it's one that comes on the radar. I mean, we don't see a lot of people looking to trade this because it's low beta and it boring in some people's eyes, as you say there. Um, you know, it's like Euro Sterling. It sort of it has these kind of low grinds. You'd rather trade cable. And, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that downtrend, <clears throat> if it breaks, is, is something that, that will get a bit of attention. I, I have no doubt about that. Next week, you talk about the RBNZ meeting. We've got a 50% chance of a 50 basis points. It, it makes a very tactical situation. We don't, we don't like telling people to go and trade around announcements over news and central bank meetings because it's very outside of your control. Sure. It's not really trading. It's, you know, just getting that instant gratification of a, of a big move akin to gambling sort of stuff. But, you know, I think tactically, I think we only get 25 basis points. I don't, I don't think we're 50. So it, it suggests to me that Aussie Kiwi's probably got some upside in, in that regard. Um, yeah, the RBA is out of the way. I, I really like the, um, what we're seeing in Australia now. <clears throat> Um, excuse me. But yeah, I think tactically, it feels that we only get 25. So from a, a pure rates perspective, I think Aussie Kiwi can go higher. That says, like you say, look at the RSI there. Look at all the technicals. It's overloved, overdone. Um, but yeah, I think from a rates perspective, um, yeah, I think we've probably got some upside from that perspective. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes next week. Um, but anyway, well, let's you, go. You, you know, you, you notice, wait, real quick. I, I, I noticed a, a Freudian cough there when you said it, things in Australia are great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're good. That, did they're that good. slip? And I, wait, I, I caught it. I, we're good, man. We've got, we've got uh, housing <laughs> prices are starting to cool a little bit. But uh, yeah, the unemployment's looking really, really good at the moment. The household spending's pretty good. Yeah, inflation's on the rise, but it's not as bad. It's like you guys have got it at the moment when you can see 8.4%. You know, we, the, the, the RBA very happy about the way that the, the economy is going post Omicron. So, yeah, I think, you know, life's, if, you know, there's obviously people doing it tough. Um, but, you know, I think generally on the whole, the economy is in, in pretty good shape at the moment. So, okay, I'm just checking, just yeah, checking. Just uh, an old man's <laughs> cough more than anything else. Anyway, let's, uh, let's go to play of the day, see what's on our mind. Right, look, I'm going to start. I'm going to start the uh, the proceedings off here with a cheeky, cheeky short crypto situation. Now, I'm not I'm not bullish or bearish on crypto over a longer period of time. I just think these are fantastic trading instruments. Now, if you have a look at that idea of quantitative tightening, liquidity coming out of the system, this idea of dollar strength playing through, a bit of risk playing throughout the market. Now, if you have a look at the setup, we've broken the the uh, the series of higher highs. That, that uptrend is now over. So it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to collapse, but it does mean that you know, the trend is broken. 
Uh, we've seen that that big move down through the through the prior series of highs that you've been seeing there. I think the first stop is 42,000, which isn't a huge uh, sort of downside situation. But I think if we were to break that level, then I'd be looking to add for potentially a move down to 38,000 in that situation as that trend, that sort of FOMO move just kicks in there as well. So I think if you look at what we're seeing in, in, in the S&P, a load of the you know, a few of the other sort of risk proxies that we're seeing as liquidity is coming, as we go into that May FOMC meeting, the inflation numbers next week in the US, you know, if we do see the VIX pushing up into 25%, um, you know, I think that, that crypto is going gonna, is gonna to be that high beta anti-risk proxy. Uh, and I think we see a move down to 42,000. I think we potentially break that level. And then I think you add to the positions for a move to 38,000 there. You know, Chris, I have to say that when I, when you say numbers, and I'm already thinking the same numbers in my head, like 42,000 being a downside target, that's what I was talking about earlier today with my traders, then that means it's a pretty important area. And I love it when when your 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 brain and my brain are sinking We're like that. So that's another great. Mother, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, let's take a look at crude because it's getting a little rude All right. here, Chris. And yeah, I know. You know, hey, look, I'm I'm actually very bullish crude, and I really would like to find a dip. And I think dips are going to be very short-lived at this stage in the game. And now that crude's getting a foothold below that trend line, um, I'm a little nervous for the longs because mm. I think that the risk is now that we're down below 100, you might see some selling, maybe pick up towards 93 and take us all the way down to 89. However, that's a 618 retracement. And I think that that is going to be a good area to have maybe some outstanding orders, maybe put in an order with some stops, you know, you know, looking for a little dip. And like I said, I don't think dips are going to be very, I think they're going to be short lived. So, you know, you're going to get stabs lower, maybe into the mid eighties, but I think that those high 80 levels are going to offer buying opportunities to get right back above hundred, but that's kind of how I'm approaching crude. I want to be bullish, but I know that you have to be defensive at least in the next couple of trading mm. sessions. Well, I think, you're, uh, yeah, I think your boy Biden's going to be loving that, to be honest. If he can get gasoline prices lower, if he can get crude prices lower, uh, it gives them some bit of a tailwind going into those midterms a little bit later on. I think he'd be loving the fact yeah. that we're well off the highs on that at the moment. Anyway, so much going through <laughs> financial markets. It's great to share my thoughts. Uh, with Blake and pick his brain and, and obviously some of the questions that you've been putting down, please go again back into the comment section. Leave your comments, leave your questions, leave your thoughts on what's going on uh, and we'll answer them where we can and continue to build this, uh, this growing community that we've got here. Anyway, until next week, let's hope the volatility stays alive and see the opportunities that are brewing there.